As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The following episode contains references to suicide, anti-gay, and racist hate crimes and may be triggering for some people. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella, And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast, and we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge, and let's talk about some true crime. Welcome back to Killer Queens. Hey, thanks for, you know, coming back, taking a chance on an unknown kid, if it's your first time. Thanks for doing that. Before we get started, as always, be sure to check out the Patreon if you want ad-free episodes. I got to say something right off the bat, actually. We got a bad review because we have too many ads in our show. We have three ads per show. I've listened to shows that have a lot more. However, we got to eat, right? Hips and nips, otherwise we're not eating. Exactly. That's it. But anyway, if you want ad-free episodes, there are ways to have them. You can have that. So you can go to the Patreon. Every level gets ad-free episodes there. So that's always an option, you know? Know what I mean? Love Jelly it. bean? Don't yeah, say it. Okay. I did. I did. Said it. All right. So other than that, we will get to... Oh, you know what? I did also want to say one thing. Ugh. We have an Instagram. I don't think I've hardly ever talked about it. <laughs> so, you know, we do some fun stuff on there. We're starting to do live videos every once in a while, just like randomly. Um, when we find case updates or just whatever we want to do, you know? So sometimes we just jump on there. So check it out. Come follow us. Hang yeah. with us. Killer Queens podcast. Yeah. And we have a discussion group on Facebook, which I don't think I've ever talked about either. You now, didn't even know we had it for like a year. I didn't. But now we know. Yeah. Because I didn't tell you. But it was a secret. So there you go. Now we will get into today's case. Special thanks to Sloan for... The research and writing this week. Yes. This is a 90s case. This is Hattie Mae Cohen's and Brian Mock. On September 26, 1992, in Salem, Oregon, Hattie Mae Cohen's and Brian Mock were at their apartment with their friends. Most of the people in the apartment were asleep when two firebombs came crashing in through the windows. That is so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Like, you're just at your house. Just sleeping, hanging out. Doing regular, you feel safe. You're at your house. Fire bombs crashing through the windows. My God. 
These were crude bombs made from bottles filled with gasoline and set on fire. While the friends all escaped the fiery apartment, Hattie Mae and Brian did not. They burned to death in the basement apartment they called home. That is terrible. It's so sad. And oh, God, a horrible way to go. Mm-hmm. Hattie Mae was a 29-year-old Black woman who identified as a lesbian. Brian was a 45-year-old reportedly disabled. We couldn't find anything about a specific disability, but a few sources just referred to him as disabled. Um, white man who identified as gay. Hattie Mae Cohens and Brian Mock were killed for being gay. There was the added issue of race for Hattie Mae, but in the aftermath, became less of a focal point than their sexual orientations. Their murders would be a trigger for many activist groups to fight for the rights of LGBTQ plus individuals. According to basicrights.org, Oregon in 1992 was ground zero for anti-LGBTQ hate. A specific group called Oregon Citizens Alliance was at the heart of this hatred, and it's because of their quote-unquote anti-gay proclamations that some people felt safe to terrorize anyone that doesn't identify as heterosexual, and they were the reason that anyone who did identify as anything other than 100% straight felt like they had to hide everything about who they truly were. Sound like a bunch of dicks. Yeah, big-time dicks. Big-time dicks. Also, it feels like, well, it doesn't feel like, based on numbers and days, I can say that this would have been going on at the same time as the whole Rajneeshi antelope Oregon debacle because they moved in right around this time, wasn't it? Late 80s. Yeah, yeah late 80s. And the murder happened in 1992. So this climate was building. But they don't mention the Oregon Citizens Alliance at all in that. Mm-mm. They talk it, about the Friends of Oregon. Friends of Oregon, yeah. It's just a uh, thousand Friends of Oregon. thousand whatever. Friends of Oregon. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's just so, it's so aggressive and so violent, the atmosphere in Oregon at this time, which is yeah. really sad because I know that that's not reflective of everybody in Oregon. No. But that's the thing. It's the people who are the shittiest are usually the loudest. Yeah, the squeaky wheel gets the oil every time. Oregon Citizens Alliance, or OCA, was a conservative activist group and political action committee that was started in 1986. The OCA's goal in life was to do anything in their power to keep the LGBTQ plus community from existing in their state, and probably if they had their way, the world, the universe. Whoa. Uh, Yeah. Like, that's trying to get rid of people, okay? Frowned upon, typically. Who have, they are entitled to do whatever the hell they want to do. And if somebody imposed that same thinking on them, Mm -hmm. then they would be mad as hell. Oh my gosh, it would be a shit show, wouldn't it? It's like, I'm gonna tell you how to live your life, but you better not tell me how to live mine. Like, yeah. Oh, it makes me so angry. Oh yeah, and we get into like the moral, what do they call them? Like moral crimes or whatever, you know? Like how sodomy used to be illegal and, you know, all these things or whatever. But they talk about things being illegal based on a, like, moral... I I mean, I guess technically murder would be that way, right? Yeah. You're not supposed to murder, but... I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, I've heard it a time or two. But I don't know, just that they're... (laughs) 
that's such a slippery slope because if there's something personally, we've talked about this on the mixtape. I don't think that you should have a sticker on your truck that says I eat ass. I don't like it. But how about we go this route though? What about glass stones? No. What about stones and glass houses though? Can you be the moral police for other people, the morality police, and then be like, oh, but also I'm a total trash bag of a person too. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I don't like the I ate ass sticker thing. Sure. But I guess I respect other people's right to have it. Okay. That's growth. That's nice. When we did that mixtape, you were very against it. (laughs) I thought... I mean, I'm still against it. Live and let live, you know? I know. I'm just like, there's so many ways that I'm crass. And then there's so many ways that I'm a prude. Well, we're not equal opportunity crass people. Crassers. Crassers. (laughs) (laughs) We're not crass asses. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. It's too far. Too far. Uh, they spo- the OCA that is they sponsored initiatives on the Oregon voting ballots and attempted to get the quote unquote right people into the Senate. Everything according they- to them exactly. <gasps> Everything they did was geared toward undoing any sort of protections that were in place to keep gay people from being discriminated against. So they're lesser than sure. They're not humans, right? They're like a subhuman. Is that what we're okay? Okay, OCA. Okay. Okay. Okay, dude. Yeah. Yeah, because... I'm going to throw you out a window. I know. I know. You're like... She's starting to shake her foot. She's getting antsy over here. Mad I'm literally hell. about to be chucked out that window <laughs> right now. I'm not even going to open it. I'm just going to throw you straight through the glass. Tori, 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 Tori. Calm down because OCA also had other interests. It wasn't just that. Oh, okay. They also had very serious opinions about women's uteruses. Okay. So... That's better, right? <laughs> They're diverse. Better they're diverse in the sense that they're f- the fucking worst. <laughs> they're spreading their, their hatred all over the place, exactly. right? Exactly. So they're not just putting all their hate eggs in one basket, well, so that's to speak. Smart. Okay. In 1990, they sponsored Ballot Measure 10, which would require parental notification before a minor could get an abortion. However, this measure was defeated. So I did not know this, but pregnancy makes you emancipated and emancipated minor in regards to the pregnancy in most states. In Maryland, for example, a minor who is pregnant is considered emancipated in regards to the pregnancy and can make her own decisions about the pregnancy and her body, including prenatal care and or abortion. Interesting. It never dawned on me that it wouldn't be that way. It's your child. Like, you. Exactly. <laughs> it never dawned on me that like, if you're under the age of 18, that your parent could tell you what doctor to go to. Or to not keep the baby or to whatever. Yeah. Any of that stuff. <laughs> it's, I, I never thought about that. Oh my gosh. But their biggest concern was, mm, man, that didn't say any words really. But their biggest concern was with, quote unquote, homosexuals. And I do like Sloan put in here, I hear this in the voice of the homeschooled kids from Mean Girls. And the homosexuals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, ugh, yeah. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? 
Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. In 1988, the OCA collected signatures on a petition that was designed to overturn the governor's executive order that banned discrimination in state government based on sexual orientation. This was ballot measure eight, and because of their petition, the measure won by 5.4%, thus prohibiting job protections for gay people in state government. In 1992, OCA started to work on its largest campaign, ballot measure nine. This initiative would amend Oregon's constitution to, quote unquote, recognize homosexuality, pedophilia, sadism, and masochism as abnormal, wrong, unnatural, and perverse. So we're putting, to correct me if I'm wrong here, we are putting gay rights in the same vein Mm -hmm. as pedophilia. Yeah. Sadism and masochism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I could correct you for being wrong, but I cannot. What? How in the fuck? Yeah, how? Why? See, and the thing is, the OCA, they are hard-ass workers. They are working day and night because hate fuels you, and it gets shit done, unfortunately, and it's really sad. They are doing a lot of work, and what they could be using that for the best things. And they're We could just... have the cure to cancer probably by now. What? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just, just because you don't agree with something. Like, I, do, I just don't. And also, it's bizarre. It's bizarre that, and there are still people who think this way. Oh, of course, yeah. That... That pedophilia and being gay are the same, or they're at least related. That if you they're know, just as bad, right? Yeah, or that like if you you know if you have a kid and you have a friend or somebody you know or whatever is a gay man, and they're like, well, don't let your kid around them because you know gay. You know, it's like, how in the world do people still think this way? It's absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. 
So they wanted to recognize that as unnatural and perverse and, quote-unquote, prevent any special rights for homosexuals and bisexuals. In this campaign, OCA compared being gay to bestiality and pedophilia. And this is what it was, that being gay would be considered a moral offense just like those things. I just, it's it's not the same, but the whole like moral offense thing, I mean, you know, during this time or earlier than this, but, you know, they would do all those raids on like gay clubs so that, you know, because these people cannot live their lives in the world. They have to, because they'll lose their jobs, they'll get arrested and like all these things. So they would raid the clubs and then whoever got arrested, you know, then their whole lives would be ruined because, and they were basically like, I mean, it's pretty much like entrapment because it's like they would focus on these clubs. And so you kind of had to, I mean, everything had to be so secretive, but it's like, okay, now I'm going to lose my job. So now in the state of Oregon, with this measure passed, people in state government, if they're outed, they're going to lose their job. Mm -hmm. Like that, you can ruin somebody's entire life because of a quote unquote moral offense. Like I just, it's so maddening and Mm -hmm. it's horrible to do to people. Like, and they can't be themselves anywhere in the world. So they have to go to places where they can, they can feel like themselves that someone can dance with whoever they want to, they can kiss whoever they want to, they can do the things that come naturally to people because we need touch, we need to be close, we need the intimacy. Mm-hmm. But then they're being set up to be attacked and to be yeah. persecuted and to be, oh, it just breaks my heart. I do, yeah. not, I do not understand that kind of hate. I just I do know. not. It's so sad. According to the Bay Area reporter, ballot measure nine would make it so that No group that is perceived to, quote unquote, promote, encourage, or facilitate homosexuality could use public facilities or retain state licensing. Public libraries and public TV would be required to remove books and programs that are perceived as promoting, encouraging, or facilitating homosexuality. And I'm quoting the points of their measure. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing here. Schools at every level, including universities, would be required to censor information about homosexuality, pedophilia, sadism, and masochism as abnormal, wrong, unnatural, and perverse, and that these behaviors are to be discouraged and avoided. In child custody cases, courts would be required to take children away from any parent who is perceived to be homosexual. This is a witch hunt. Yes! There's no word to, they're using the word perceived in in a governmental letter. Yeah, like perceptions are all over the shop, man. Like there's, you can look at somebody and be like, well, they look like. Yeah, I thought they were a ghost. Like <laughs> you could perceive anything. I mean, are like, we talking about Maureen Ponderosa? Cat. Yeah, I thought she was a cat. So anybody perceived to be a cat, human, you know? It's like, are you serious? Portland's sexual orientation civil rights ordinance would be null and void. And the Portland Gay Pride Parade would be illegal. I mean, with the focus on this campaign, there began to be multiple 
quote-unquote, anti-gay hate crimes. And of course, I mean, you're you're fanning flames here. Exactly. Like, Pouring gas on a fire. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from the government. Yes, God. Yes, it's terrifying. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. In the months before Hattie Mae and Brian's murders, violence had been escalating. Arson, vandalism, and verbal threats were coming from both sides of the argument. Car windows were being smashed on cars with bumper stickers referencing ballot measure nine and churches were being attacked again on both sides. Then on September 26, 1992, Hattie Mae and Brian were murdered. Brian was frequently bullied in his neighborhood just for being gay, and now the bullying was turning physical. One source said that Brian was in an altercation on September 26, and Hattie Mae defended him. Another source says a family member of one of the victims got into an argument with the attackers and that Hattie Mae had been having arguments with skinheads for weeks. Another source says that the friends of Hattie Mae and Brian that were at their house that night had busted into another apartment earlier that day when they overheard one of the men yelling racial slurs. One of the friends of Hattie Mae and Brian punched one of these men in the face. I guess the person that was saying overheard the yelling. Race, yeah. yeah. All of those versions could technically have happened at separate times, but whichever scenario led to the bombing, the people who were responsible remain the same. 21-year-old Philip Wilson, 22-year-old Leon Tucker, 22-year-old Sean Edwards, and 19-year-old Yolanda Cotton. And you know that they came back from that heralded yeah. as heroes. Absolutely. And celebrating what they'd done. Yes. Yolanda Cotton claimed that she just wanted to belong, and that's how she ended up with the skinhead group. She didn't speak out for a while after the murders, but she later told the Seattle Times her life story. This is another thing that's really sad, too, is that we have more information on these people than we do on Hattie Mae and Brian. 
it's a tale as old as time. And that's the most unfortunate thing. Yeah. Because, and I'm not, I don't mean to call out the Seattle Times or whoever, Time Life Magazine or Rolling Stone or whatever. When you plaster the face or the the big story is getting a murderer side of things rather than focusing on the lives that were lost and who these people were, that's when think shit's gone wrong. Yeah. Because now we're we're idolizing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a fine line between, you know, there's obviously a place for criminology learning. Of course. And things like that. Um, but yeah, there is a very fine line. There's a lot of stuff I see on social media now of people talking about Ted Bundy and idolizing him and, you know... I will never understand people talking a lot about Ted Bundy in the sense that he was a very attractive man. I mean, I don't know if anybody else can physically see this, but he has a unibrow. One eyebrow, yeah. <laughs> like, but he's also not hot. And also, um, he murdered so many people. Yeah. Like, that's a big turnoff for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe not for everybody. But yeah, it's like, there's definitely that fine line of like, we're we're interested in true crime, but when you take it that far, right? Yeah, Is that like, what you're saying? Yeah. Because there's just... There's a lot of people that will then take that like interest in true crime and kind of go over it and kind of be like, okay, so my favorite serial killer is. Well, then, yeah, then you get into like obsessing over the person who committed the crime. Exactly. Rather than, because I, I mean, you know, as much as what I'm saying, I feel like in a sense, I'm calling us out and I don't mean to because I, I feel like, I genuinely feel like what we're doing is the best way that we know how to do this, where we are experience or we're sharing our interest in something without trying to idolize or romanticize what has happened. Yeah. But we just want to know why and what happened and how. Yeah. I think the only like feelings we have for these perpetrators are... Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, hate them. The Seattle Times reported that Cotton had lived a hard life where she'd been raped and beaten by her mother's boyfriend as a small child, which is horrible. That's, I mean, yes, nobody, absolutely nobody that. should ever have to go through that. They called her mother in this article. This is a direct quote. They said that she was, quote unquote, mentally retarded and did not or could not stop the abuse. So if there was a mental, I don't even think there was mental illness. Like, yeah, maybe a learning disability or something like that there. But we do see that a lot with people who are abusive. They will prey on people who maybe can't defend themselves, maybe don't have the cognitive ability to stop things, are more likely to go along with whatever is happening because maybe they don't understand it fully or whatever. I mean, man, in the 90s, it was a whole different ballgame, wasn't it? You could just say whatever. When Cotton was a little older, her mom went out to run errands and never came back. I would like more information on this. I cannot imagine what that would do to a child psychologically. No. And I also wonder, is her mom okay? Yeah. Did something happen to her? Like, because if she was not fully mentally there, like, is she just going to make a decision to run off? I mean, maybe she did, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about her. Cotton was placed in a foster home and eventually adopted. 
Her new family was very religious. She had a Baptist minister father, and she felt alienated from them. So one day, she slit her wrist. She wasn't successful in her suicide attempt and wore long sleeves to cover the scars from her family. Later, she swallowed a bunch of pills and began vomiting. Her parents made her go to church as usual and never talked about the incident again. So we'll just sweep it under the rug, pretend like nothing happened. That solves everybody's problems. Yeah, I mean, she definitely she definitely did have a rough go of it. There's and no doubt about that. There were blatant cries for help there. Yes, yeah. And... It, the foster system is flawed. Yeah, very flawed. I mean, it's like you would just hope that when you're going to be taking care of a child, especially coming from a background like that, that you would have people that are genuinely there to help them. And it's just like they're ignoring every cry for help that she's exhibiting. Yeah. Well, and probably making her feel bad about it. Exactly, making making it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being annoying. Stop doing this. Yeah. At age 15, she ran away. After her 16th birthday, she was caught by police and returned to her adoptive family. And then they placed her on house arrest for six months. That had to have been horrible. The next year, Cotton was on a Job Corps program in Reno, and that's where she met Philip Wilson. And he was one of the, the accomplices there. In 1991, the pair moved to Salem. In 1992, Cotton gave birth to a baby girl. Wilson and Cotton couldn't support the baby and ended up giving her up for adoption. The longer they stayed in Salem, the more friends they made in the skinhead community. They didn't come to Salem for this reason, they said, but while they were there, it's just like who they started to spend time with and it became their friend group. Cotton said that she eventually renounced the racist beliefs but didn't abandon her friends. So that's progress, right? Is it the easiest thing to do <laughs> to have a good core group of friends that you're very close with, but disagree on very deep, fundamental, moral yeah. issues? Like all my friends are huge racist, but they're my friends. So I just, you know. Yeah. We just don't talk about it. We just don't talk about it. That's how, that's how we'll handle that. Yeah, that's fine. Like... Yeah, because this is what happens, right? Philip Wilson and Yolanda Cotton had prior police records that linked them to, to white supremacist activity. I mean, I don't believe that she was not racist. Oh, no, I don't think that you if can he, be if you're going to be in that group. Exactly. Like, I think that we've gotten to where we are because a lot of people maybe just don't say stuff to like that family member that you see or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. These are people she's choosing to spend time with all the time. This is her, again, her core group of friends. Who, and not that the the belief is bad enough, but they don't, they not only believe it, they have pledged it to an organization. Exactly. They're, they're in these white supremacy groups. They're they're, yeah, joining organizations that are moving that type of ideology forward. Like, both are wrong, but she's deliberately doing it. Don't, don't tell me that you're spending all of your time with these people. You're joining these organizations and you're not, a, like, don't tell me that. Yeah, I, that's, that's ridiculous. Like a bunch of malarkey. Exactly. Judge Judy would be like, baloney! <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> 
Wilson and Cotton were members of the American Front, a neo-Nazi white supremacist group, along with Leon Tuck- Tucker and Sean Edwards. So they're all like super stand-up citizens. Mm-hmm. All four were considered part of the skinhead community. Tucker and Edwards were placed at Hattie Mae and Brian's house by eyewitnesses as well. In the version where the friends busted into an apartment, which is the version that Cotton told as well as another source, four of Cohen's friends kicked in the door of an apartment that Tucker and Edwards had been visiting. So now we've got a link. The friends had heard a racial insult yelled so loudly that they heard them in a whole separate apartment. Wow. See, they're always loudest. That's so true. One of the friends punched Edwards in the mouth. Edwards and Tucker went to the apartment that they shared with Wilson and his girlfriend, Cotton, where they would then assemble the firebombs. So again, she's saying she wasn't there when they threw them in. She was certainly there when they assembled them. Now, is a firebomb different than a Molotov cocktail? I don't know. Okay. It's been a long time since I went to war. (laughs) I I don't know anything about these. I don't either. I just realized, I just learned the term Molotov cocktail. I knew what it was, but I didn't know that that's what it was called. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but they sound the same, right? They sound sound very similar. Later, they went back to Hattie Mae and Brian's house and threw the bottles of gasoline through the windows. Then they went to a party. As one does. To celebrate what they've done. That's exactly what they did. Tucker was heard saying, mess with the best, die with the rest at this party. I have so many feelings about this person. You know that he got that tattooed on him somewhere. Ew. You know he did. did. I hate it. You know he did. Gross. In October of 1992, the Bay Area reporter ran a story about the after effects of Hattie Mae and Brian's murders. Ballot Measure 9 was being fought with another campaign called No on 9. Hattie Mae and Brian became martyrs for the No on 9 campaign. No on 9 was the campaign that was geared toward bringing down ballot measure 9 that the OCA was pushing. The Harvey Milk Progressive Democratic Club was an advocacy group that advocated for the civil rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. And this is at that time in the 90s. They held a fundraiser on October the 8th that had comedians and music groups, and their goal was to raise enough money to counter the $20,000 donation that Pat Robertson's Christian Coalition made to the OCA to promote campaign for a hate-free organ. <sighs> so much. Mm-hmm. But Harvey Milk, do you know who he is? I've definitely heard about him, and I know that um, Sean Penn plays him in a movie. Oh, does he? I think so. Nice. Yeah, he was like the check that biggest gay rights activist in government at the time. Like, he was openly right. gay. You're right. Yeah. He was openly gay and he really pioneered a lot of stuff for for gay rights. Thank God for people like him. I know. And it's amazing to me knowing the organ that we know today versus what we're hearing about. I know. Yeah. Well, and that's like, okay, so the next sentence, it would seem that many Oregonians were opposed to ballot measure nine. And in fact, the Bay Area reporter said that more than 200 Oregonian organizations endorsed no on nine. So, you know, in a, in a time where I think the OCA thinks everybody feels this way, right? Nobody there's not going to be anybody that we're going to come across that's going to that's going to support this kind of thing, right? 
And they're like, well, actually, a lot of people support it because um, a lot of people have hearts. Right. And a lot of people recognize other people as people. Exactly. I know that's like uh, groundbreaking stuff for you guys, but, you know, whatever. The reporter said that it was endorsed by both political parties, the entire congressional delegation, every major labor union, business community, and most religious institutions in the state. (laughs) Thankfully. Carolyn Young, a No on Nine campaign spokesperson, said, people are hiding. Even if ballot measure nine loses in November, they've forced people back into the closet. They're literally feeling for their lives. Fearing. Fearing. They're literally fearing for their lives. Another spokesperson for No on Nine, Suzanne Farr, said, what ballot measure nine has done is open up a window for people who are bigoted to display those feelings, and that's what happened in the Salem slayings. Mm. All right, Yolanda was acquitted of all the charges. Even though she was part of the planning, she was home and in bed when the fire happened, so that doesn't count, right? Yes, it, okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, don't throw me through the window yet because I'm not (laughs) finished, okay? Sean Edwards pleaded guilty to murder and agreed to testify against Leon Tucker and Philip Wilson in exchange for the chance at parole. Edwards admitted that he threw the first firebomb. So guess who doesn't get to have parole? Right, except not. Yeah. But yeah, that's infuriating. And again, it's it always happens this way. The first one to realize that they are going to get the deal, like they're like, they I'll flip if I get the, the better deal. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how much participation they had in it. They could have done the whole entire thing. Yeah. But if they can implicate other people, then they get off. Exactly. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. On April 8th, 1993, Tucker and Wilson were convicted of assault, arson, and racial intimidation. Where's murder? Where's the murder? They they died. They Nobody is intimidated into burning alive in an apartment. Right. They were murdered. 
Tucker admitted that he tossed the second firebomb and Wilson filled the bottles with gasoline and drove the crew to and from the apartment. Nobody got convicted of murder? I I honestly was so like seeing red when I read everything else that I just, I feel like I, in my mind, said, and they got convicted of murder. Like, what? What's How happening? Is this possible? What is happening? The pair made an attempt to apologize, but the judge likened the apology to foxhole religion, which is just like, you know, in a foxhole, anybody will turn to a higher power kind of thing. So mm. he was basically like, you don't mean this. You're just sorry you got caught, basically. Wilson received a sentence of 35 years. Tucker got 30 and Edwards got 25. That is not enough. Edwards got 25. Yeah. So he got 30 years. and 35 is still life. You killed two people. Life. Exactly. Yeah. For what's to say that you're not going to come out? And again, you know, when are they going to get parole kind of thing? You know, it's like 30 years seems like, a you know, okay, they'll be in jail 30 years. It's not how it works. So what's to say that you don't come out and carry on that hate? Exactly. Fall back in with the same people that you were hanging out with back then? Exactly. Like, that's dangerous. The DA of Marion County actually said mm-hmm. this clearly <laughs> was not a crime targeted at homosexuals. When all is said and done, the primary motive for the killings will likely not be race or sexual orientation, but both of them played a role. So let me, again, correct me if I'm wrong here. The skinhead movement, skinhead organization, skinhead whatever the fuck you want to call it. What are the two things that they hate the most? (laughs) Um, Puppies and butterflies. Everybody knows that. Okay, exactly. So that's probably what it was about, right? That's what I think. Like, what the fuck do you think it was about? Exactly. What was it about then? Yeah, they're not... Yeah, they're literally involved with white supremacy, quote-unquote, anti-gay organizations. You tell me what the motive was. So one person was black, both people were gay. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit there and tell me that that's not the reason. And they very likely got into an altercation earlier that day for those exact things. Yes, for a racial slur so loud that you could hear it from a whole other apartment. Right. And they were at a party that night saying, mess with the best, die with the rest. Fuck you. Yeah. Proud of what you did. Mm-hmm. Edwards claimed that Hattie Mae and Brian weren't the intended targets, but it was pretty obvious from anyone who witnessed the arguments and bullying that this was related to race and or sexual orientation. Witnesses told the police that both Hattie Mae and Brian had been harassed about their sexual orientation and Hattie Mae had been harassed about her race. Ballot Measure 9 was eventually defeated and HB 3500 was passed in the state legislature in 1993. HB 3500 prohibited local laws that quote-unquote single out citizens or groups of citizens on account of sexual orientation and was later upheld by the Oregon Supreme Court in 1995. I'm actually really surprised and really pleasantly surprised that that happened as early as 1993. Yeah, exactly. But OCA couldn't let that sit. They started working on ballot measure 13 in 1994 after HB 3500 passed. This would, quote unquote, restrict public access to materials dealing with homosexuality. 
Basically, if books or pamphlets or whatever talked about, quote-unquote, homosexuality in any way, they wanted it banned. Ballot Measure 13 also failed, but honestly, not by that much. It got 48.5% of the votes. That's very close call. Why? What do they think is going to happen? Is it that same <laughs> mentality where it's like, if you read about it, then you're automatically mm-hmm. yeah. going to turn gay? I, yeah. don't, I mean, I just don't understand this. I do not understand it. Gandhi has ADD. You get it from toilet seats. Let's just say that that mentality is true. Wouldn't people who are gay turn straight then? (laughs) Wait a minute. We've just got to get them around straight people. (laughs) Exactly. They have to read more straight books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pray the gay. I mean, okay. Okay. I'm just. Yeah. That's that's exactly true. Yeah, fuck this whole case. I know it's fucking ridiculous. In 1996, Lon Maben, I think is his name, one of the founders of OCA, ran for the Oregon Senate seat against a man named Gordon Smith, but he lost. In 2000, yeah, I know there was a lawsuit against the OCA that came about because of an incident in 1992. So back in 92, OCA communications director Scott Lively forcibly kicked a gay rights activist out of an event hosted by the OCA. The suit also said that OCA hid some of their assets to avoid paying a settlement in this incident. So OCA lost the lawsuit. In 2000, OCA tried to propose a second ballot measure nine that would prohibit schools in Oregon from, quote unquote, encouraging, promoting, or sanctioning homosexual and bisexual behaviors. This measure also failed with only 47.1% of the votes. Again, kind of close. Very close. In 2002, Maven was put in jail for refusing to comply with the judge's orders to produce financial statements relating to the 1992 case. Then, Maven still had the audacity to run for Senate again. He ran as a member of the Constitution Party and lost when he only got 1.7% of the votes. (laughs) That had to suck. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Mabin and Lively tried to bring back the OCA in 2007 and tried to get new anti-gay measures placed on the 2008 ballot, but they failed again. Lively then decided to write a book. (laughs) Guess what it's called? Oh, geez. I I feel bad for anybody listening to this because I think it's just us yelling for an hour. Yeah. It's called The Pink Swastika, Homosexuality in the Nazi Party and would also promote anti-gay legislation in Russia and Uganda. Russia. In Russia and Uganda. What? The pink swap. What does that even mean? I guess if it's pink, then you're gay, right? (laughs) I don't know. This doesn't even make any... It's so stupid. And the fact that this happened in or around 2008... I know. It's asinine and it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like, all in the same breath. Lively also has a group called Abiding Truth Ministries that is listed as a hate group by Southern Poverty Law Center. In response to the murders of Hattie Mae Cohens and Brian Mock, Kelly Cogswell, among others, founded an activist group called Lesbian Avengers. Cogswell was a New York journalist and a blogger about lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender issues. She and her colleagues in the Lesbian Avengers would frequently protest about LGBTQ plus rights, and these became known as Lesbian Avengers Eat Fire 2. When on Halloween of 1992, the Lesbian Avengers ate fire and chanted, the fire will not consume us, we will take it and make it our own. 
After this, they marched down Fifth Avenue in New York, carrying their torches. It's a badass. Oh, yeah. Who eats fire? That's insane. I know. Do not want to mess with anybody like that. I know. They were like, "Uh, come at me, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Come at me. Good for them. This was just the beginning for the lesbian Avengers. A few months after the fire-eating protest, the Denver mayor came to New York to promote tourism, but the lesbian Avengers were not going to let him come and go peacefully while Colorado's Amendment 2 was still active. So this was an amendment approved by the voters of Colorado in 92 that would prevent, quote-unquote, any city, town, or county in the state from taking any legislative, executive, or judicial action to recognize homosexuals or bisexuals as a protected class. My brain hurts. Mm -hmm. My brain hurts right now. Yes. I cannot with these stupid fucking idiots. The lesbian Avengers followed the Denver mayor everywhere he went on his visit. (laughs) And I hope they just like screamed the whole time. I'm pretty sure they did. And they were just like, oh, you're going to the bathroom? We're coming to Yeah, exactly. You're not getting away from us. Yeah. Later on April 24th, 1993, 20,000 plus women showed up at the Capitol for another protest. This would be the first ever Dyke March. The next march was in New York in 1994 with another 20,000 plus people. And they still have these every single year. You can go to their website and see when the next one is. They had one in, well, it said it was in June. I wonder if it still happened, but they have them every year. Yeah, I hope if if it didn't happen that it was rescheduled and it will happen. Yeah, exactly. In 1994, James, I don't know how to say his last name. Lesens? Lesesny? Lesesny? created a character for a one-man show called Word of Mouth. The character was named Trevor, and we'll link to the video on it. It's a 20-ish minute movie about a teenage boy in the 80s struggling with learning that he's gay and dealing with other people's opinions about being gay. He's bullied by peers and rejected by his friends. Trevor's parents don't understand him and disregard his frequent staged suicide attempts. He gets so depressed that he attempts suicide with aspirin, and he makes a joke about it. But when he's unsuccessful, he meets a male candy striper at the hospital who tells him he has to just take life one day at a time. He invites Trevor to a Diana Ross concert, which is Trevor's fave, and Trevor decides he needs to live at least until tomorrow and dances into the house. So it's like a happy ending after a pretty rough message. Trevor's story was seen by producers Peggy Rashke and Randy Stone, who became enthralled by the story and decided that it would make a fantastic short film. They asked Lesesny to develop a screenplay, and from there, Trevor became an an Academy Award-winning live-action short film. This ended up turning into a national movement. It, It was aired on HBO with Ellen DeGeneres as the host. Peggy Rashke discovered that young people like Trevor had no resources to turn to when they faced the challenges Trevor and people like him often face. Rashke knew that she had to do something. She recruited mental health experts and developed a 24-hour crisis line with funds secured by James Lesesny. The same night that the movie aired on HBO, the Trevor Lifeline was launched. Trevor Lifeline is the first national crisis intervention and suicide prevention lifeline for LGBTQ plus youth. According to the Trevor Project's National Survey on LGBTQ Young Mental Health, Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth often face disparities in suicide risk compared to their non-LGBTQ peers. Research has documented that LGBTQ youth report significantly higher rates of having seriously considered suicide, making a plan to attempt suicide, and attempting suicide compared to heterosexual and or cisgender youth. 
These disparities in suicidality are thought to be due to stressors and discrimination associated with being in a socially stigmatized position in society, as opposed to being LGBTQ in and of itself. Because I do know that some people will be like, well, you know, the suicide rates are higher, so don't be gay, you know? And it's like, no, that's because of your attitude toward people, you know, like what you just said. If you feel completely alienated, yeah. if you feel like you you can't be yourself, like, yeah. Furthermore, they report that more than 1.8 million LGBTQ plus youth between the ages of 13 and 24 in the U.S. seriously consider suicide each year. The Trevor Project survey also said that one in three LGBTQ plus youth said that they have been physically threatened or harmed because of their sexual orientation and or gender identity. And this is part of the reason for the suicidal thoughts. The Williams Institute with UCLA independently researches gender identity and sexual orientation law and public policies. And they've determined that 4.5% of the population in America identify as LGBT. And the study actually just lists LGBT. That's what their, how their study was worded. So that's why. Mm -hmm. Oregon actually had the second highest percentage of people with 5.6% of their population, and they were only beat out by Washington, D.C., who was 9.8% of the population at the time that the study was done. Despite the 28 years from Hattie Mae and Brian's murders, this type of violence is still very prevalent. The Human Rights Campaign stated that so far in 2020, there have been at least 26 instances of transgender and gender nonconforming individuals being killed for their sexual orientation and or gender identity. The number was the same for 2018 and 2019. Furthermore, the majority of these were black women like Hattie Mae. To this day, four United States, Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina, and Wyoming, do not have a no hate crime statute. That's insane to me. Mm -hmm. Hattie Mae Cohen's and Brian Mock may have been the first victims of this war on Queens. That was the Bay Area reporter's words, quote unquote. But they were certainly not the last. Unfortunately, hate crimes will continue and will likely never stop as horrible as it is because there are always those people who are quote-unquote homophobic and or racist. But in today's world, people who don't identify as heterosexual do at least have many more resources and advocates than were available in the 1990s. And I would also say that if you live in one of those states, Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina, Wyoming, like election season is coming up, right to legislators, you know, do what you can to get a no hate statute passed. Yeah. No hate crime. If you vote, which I think everybody should, but do some research and do some homework and see who you're voting for if they do Mm -hmm. believe in or if they are standing for non-hate, no hate crime statutes and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's, I honestly like... I feel a little like that John Mayer song waiting on the world to change, you know? It's like mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a lame song. But I mean, for a long time, I just, I didn't really pay attention to stuff, you know? I didn't pay attention me, to politics. So. And yeah. yeah, and I mean, just as I've gotten older, I've realized how much that ripple effect does affect everybody in some way. But how much I'm doing a disservice if I don't get involved. So, you know, especially if you live in a state where something like that does need to be passed, you know, 
we can do it. Like if we vote, register to vote, do our homework on even our very local, you know, I used to think that like, oh, our little local city elections don't matter. They matter. Mm-hmm. Like who who our judges matter? Your DAs matter. You look at wrongful convictions and all those things. Are they going to, how many, you know, cases do they have where there has been a wrongful conviction and they haven't done anything about it? Or, you know, like, even if you look at it through a true crime lens, there's just so much that we can do. So definitely get involved. Don't, let's not sit on our asses. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I have to say. Well, I think that that was very well said. And I agree. Don't sit on your asses. <laughs> let's put that on a bumper sticker. So, don't eat asses either. Yeah. Don't eat them, no. Not no. on a bumper sticker. No, no, no. I mean, do what you want to do. Do right. what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Before we go today, we want to thank some new patrons. Hey girl, thanks to Kelsey D, Natalie M, Madison F, Gabby T, Shamara P, Danielle R, Jenny O, Rachel L, Betty R, Taylor, Aaron W, Ariel G, Aaron T, Melanie B, Chelsea H, Carissa G, Lana A, sorry if it's Lana, both are beautiful, (laughs) Dion C, Cassandra S, Amber, Janie C, Edie W, Janelle C, Olivia V, and we know Olivia. Yes. Yay. Thank, thank you guys you. so much. We love you. Love you. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The biggest international festival for the business of podcasting is back. The Podcast Show London will bring together thousands of podcast creators under one roof on the 22nd and 23rd of May. Also featuring major industry players, global brands, and some of the most iconic voices in podcasting. Plus, creator meetups, networking, and an evening festival of unmissable live shows. 
passes from £89. Book yours now at thepodcastshowlondon.com. Listener.